Do you think you and I can say egg at the same time, David? Are we going to count down or are we just going to try to look into each other's eyes and then say it? <laughs> that one's more exciting. Egg. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Video Game Podtimism, the Optimist's video game variety show, where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming. My name is Chase. And my name is David. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Just at the top, a couple of scheduling notes, because I don't want it to get lost in the mm, shuffle. We're yeah. taking a week off next week, because I'll be in Mexico for like the part of the week where we both record and edit. I was like, I don't think I can take the Yeti to Mexico. I don't no. know if they're going to let me <laughs> let me in there. They might have a pretty anti-podcasting sort of law, which good on them, to be yeah. honest. Mexico is known for its its negative view of podcasters. Stringent hatred of podcasters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't can't bring that one down there with me. But uh, yeah, just just wanted to get that one out front before we actually talk about the video games. Because mm-hmm. you, 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 usually we're palling around at the end and like... The logistics of the episode get tossed in there too, but uh, palling around, yeah. huh? That's that's We're what just we do. Pal- palling around, palling around. Make Kevin Sorbo jokes at the expense of Kevin Sorbo. The man makes jokes of just like being himself. So yeah, his his sort of way of living is sort of jokely. Yeah, and it's in its nature. It's low hanging fruit, but it was funny. It is. It, <laughs> it is. Hey. uh... I would love, I just, I'm dying to talk about video games, dude. Okay. Or hear about them. (laughs) Either one, whatever, whatever order. No, uh, hit me, hit me with what you've been playing, dude. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. You seem excited. Um, Yeah. I was kind of, I was just trying to make a transition, but I I guess my enthusiasm about video games has, has seeped through. You're, you're just going, you're going fast like the Aaron Fox right now. You're just, you're, you're quick. Yes, absolutely. Go Kings. Light the beam. We're in, we're in the playoffs. I listen, it's not a sports podcast. I know. And like, normally that's a good thing for, for me too. But like, go Kings just real quick. Go Kings. I mean, but like Draymond Green brought video games into the game as well by trying to cosplay as Mario and Goomba stomping Sabonis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Shouts out to all the people who know what we're talking about, which is probably about three of our listeners. Warriors fans, we still love you. You're all good. You're mm-hmm. safe here. It's it's cool. All right. I got three games for you, David. Uh, one of them, I don't know if I'm going to totally count, but it's 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 Persona 4 Golden still. I'm mm-hmm. still playing that. It's gotten a, gotten a little bit less painful uh, as as the as the the crow flies now. That's I've gotten through Kanji's area and he's just like part of the, the team now. And I am... Uh, Currently making my way through Risei's dungeon, mm-hmm. and it's still really good. I I more than in my enjoyment of Persona Five. I really, really just like the social stuff in this one. I don't know if that's more of a commentary on the fact that the dungeons were pretty good in Persona Five, or if the quality of the cast and the social stuff is just much better in this one. I'm not really sure. Could be either. But yeah, like I I'm really just loving the the life sim part of this game. I think it's a lot more open and it gives you a lot more like a lot more options with what to do, which I'm really enjoying it, it more so than this one. I, it This could be tangential or uh, a coincidence, but it, this one feels a lot more like what I know of Tokimeki Memorial, the like game from uh, the 90s. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it, it, it is possible that my viewing of Tim Rogers's video 
of sure. to- Tokimeki Memorial has lined up with me now enjoying Persona 4. <laughs> sure. Um, and so I can see those connections a little bit more, but I feel like the emphasis on the show, the social stuff is just really high in this one where mm. I think Persona 5 was like leaning a little bit harder into the like game part of it, like the, the dungeon-y RPG stuff and like just the style of it all. I think it like Persona 5 has a lot of like style in it whereas like four i think is just like we've created a really cool place for you to hang out doesn't have that same kind of art style it's like not totally different like the character portraits are very similar but i think just like everything was stylized in persona 5 mm-hmm. and like that's that's not to say this one isn't like it's still got clearly a lot of like very strong stylish i i'm tr- lacking a better word but stylish like design throughout uh-huh. throughout. So I, I think both are still really good, but I think persona five is just like kind of a, another level with that sort of stuff down to like the cell phone UI in, mm. in persona five, you know, like it's all there. Uh, yeah. Still really enjoying it. Still definitely going to keep playing it. It is a game that I am happy to, you know, throw an hour into every day or so, or just like what well, before bed, play a couple of days and, and see what happens. Um, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. The second game and one that I have not talked about before yet Mm. is this game called Wild Frost that I've been playing Uh on the Nintendo Switch. I've heard about this one. Yeah, it is for anybody who hasn't. It's essentially a deck building roguelike. Shouts out. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's been a little while since I've talked about a deck building. It has been. I'm sure I'll look at the the logs of our episodes and see that it's probably been like three weeks. But it's (laughs) the ring the gong. Chase is now talking once again about a deck building roguelike. It's a tradition and one I enjoy doing. I I was crazy about these games like a couple of years ago, and I think there was just a lot of them coming out at the time. I think the combo of Slay the Spire, Monster Train, and Grifflands all sort of coming out within a couple years of each other was like just really good for me. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's been a little while since I've kind of like really dug into one. And I think currently Wild Frost is definitely filling that role. So essentially the way that the game plays out is that it, it kind of feels a little bit like Monster Train, a little Slay the Spire. I saw someone on on the internet describe it as inscription but on its side which is hilarious and appropriate not nearly as frightening but like just the the way that the game plays out is kind of similar to that essentially you have like a bunch of cards and some of them might be like characters that you can play in one of two lanes that you have and then there are enemies on the other side of uh, this kind of like field yeah you essentially play play order characters in certain lanes some of them like monster train go in front of others and Mm -hmm. yada 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 and all of them have these like timers that are ticking down wherein at the end of that they will like attack or something of some ability of theirs will happen right so somebody might do four attack on every four turns or something like that or there might be somebody behind them that gives everybody a little bit more health every six turns or something like that Mm -hmm. and so there's kind of a lot to manage initially but you you do kind of get the feel for it eventually and similarly on the other side all all the enemies also have like little timers that are going down at all times a turn essentially is just you playing one of the cards that you have um like i said some of them are characters but some of them are just like do two damage to somebody or buff your one of your characters on your side a little bit. I, th- I think the way that it differ it differs itself from Monster Train is that you can really move people around very frequently. On your turn, it doesn't really cost anything to totally rearrange your board. Um, so like your person who's up front and on the top lane, you could move them to your bottom lane or uh, back a few spaces or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the game is kind of encouraging you to constantly be in motion a little bit. Sure. 
as far as the moves you're making. And you can also take these characters that are on your field and put them back in your deck if you want to heal them for like five health points or something. And so it, it feels a lot more of a dynamic game than Monster Train does, whereas sometimes Monster Train is like, I'm going to set my guys up. And then by the time the boss rolls around, hopefully I've got the correct setup, at which point like things will go well for me. Whereas this one is a little bit more like I really need to be paying attention to all the things that are happening and like making sure that the opposing team doesn't do anything that's going to totally murk me or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's all it's all really good. Uh, I also the visual style of it is just so polished. It looks so good. Um, it's got like this animation style that reminds me a lot of that mobile game Grindstone. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but it was like a mobile game on iOS for a second. Is this an idle game? Uh, no, it was kind of like a, uh, like a puzzle game almost not like Candy Crush, but in a way of like connect a bunch of like similar kind of gems to each other and then like it'll knock them out or something like that. Mm, Big time mobile gamer chase. (laughs) There was like that summer, I think where uh, iOS arcade dropped and they just had like a barrage of games that were coming out. Mm. And that was one of them that was like pretty good. But anyway, it it has this like kind of uh, art style that's like very bright and colorful. Um, I, I really, really, really enjoy it. And like just the level of polish on everything is just ab- absurd. It all looks really great. I also think they do a really good job of animating and designing their game to show you its mechanics very often. Like the 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 timers that are on everybody's card on your team and the the opposing team it just has like very subtle animations that are kind of letting you know like hey this is happening these are counting down right now mm-hmm. and then when you know they only have one turn left they'll kind of turn red and get pokey and so it's like okay you you should do something about this if you want to just just to kind of reinforce that like there's a lot going on here but we're going to try and communicate a lot of this through these kind of like subtle little design aspects that that are they're in addition to just like the baseline visual language of like one turn there is a a number one on their card or you know this person is going to do four damage you've got a little bit more like visual language to 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 describe all that which i think is good Mm -hmm. i will say that this game is hard as fuck uh i'm getting my ass absolutely kicked in this game it's a roguelike standard yeah it's more so than i usually do Mm -hmm. i will say like i i don't i so say in something like slay the spire slay the spire i think was pretty difficult at least initially for me like it took me a while to really like understand what the game was wanting me to do for a while i was just like drafting every card that i came upon which is like not the way to do good in slay the spire um at least for most of the classes um and so just kind of learning that lesson took a little while but in in you know these these kinds of things happen in every deck building game but uh this one especially has really been kicking my ass i've been like trying to experiment with like okay what if i use only this kind of damage or what if i try and be really selective about what i'm drafting or what if i always or never include this kind or that kind of card or anything like that i still get very often just stopped on the second area which is kind of challenging a bit of a bummer because like i do want to see the rest of the game mm-hmm. and like i i sort of had thought that it was it, it had this like rogue legacy sort of progression wherein when you die uh you come back to this kind of like neutral like castle area sort of and uh, you unlock new cards based on like what you're doing in the game right so mm-hmm. if you have defeated x many enemies like this you get this kind of new card that'll sometimes show up and yada 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 but even with unlocking that i'm still mostly getting my 
ass. Just totally your kick. ass handed to you. Yeah. Which I, I've seen on the internet is kind of a complaint, but it's it's kind of divisive in a strange way. Hmm. That like the the reviews on Steam are kind of mixed, which I think is like not how I would have expected this to go. Sure. I think there's there's probably a lot of people who are just also getting their ass kicked. Mm. And I'm still I'm still very much trying to figure out is the game just too hard or has nobody really cracked this game for how it's like intended to be played yet. Hmm. And I'm not really sure. I, I I've I've yet to come down on that one way or the other, but regardless, I'm still losing a lot. But it's also still enjoyable. So I, I I'm not sure. I know that there was some talk from the developers about like, hey, we might try and balance a few of these things or we're gonna try and take into consideration some of the things that people are saying, but as it stands, it's still still quite difficult. You just gotta get the Prima strategy guide. <laughs> yeah, for real. Hop on down to uh, uh Best Buy, see if I can get me a Prima. EB Games. EB Games. What's going on, Hollywood Video? Talk to me, dude. Um, <laughs> so I think I like this game. It's it's just it comes with the caveat that like this is not one that you will be winning very often. I think something that I liked about Monster Train in in this genre is that every now and then in Monster Train, you will just kind of stumble into an absolutely disturbingly powerful build. Mm, Disturbingly powerful. (laughs) Like sometimes I just feel unstoppable Mm -hmm. in Monster Train. And that's like, I think, a really cool feeling in that game. And, And it also is like, okay, because by the end of that run, that's really it, right? Like. Sure. You can go and, and just it's do somebody else. Do and, again. Yeah. And and I, I think like I, I definitely have the group of people in Monster Train that I use really often because I'm like, I oftentimes will run into a build that's really good here. And some that I'm like, I don't know how to use this clan in Monster Train at all. I always lose with these guys. But it, it adds to a certain amount of variety that allows you to sometimes feel totally overpowered in a way that feels fun. And I, I, so far, at least in this game, I think it is the opposite. I think it wants you to feel like when you beat it, it is like kind of miraculous in a way that like, even with the kind of okay builds in Monster Train, sometimes you can squeak out a win. Whereas in this one, like, nah, dude, your deck has got to be like perfect right now. And maybe some of the the big uh, professional deck building roguelike heads are screaming at their podcast app right now that like I'm I'm not good at the game, which is possible, but still it is it is uh it, it it's quite difficult for me and some other people too. And I really don't think that that ruins the game at all, but uh it it does prevent me from wholeheartedly endorsing this one and saying like hell yeah, this is a, an incredible game. I I hope at some point I have the understanding of like oh, this is like, you know, Dark Souls or something where I mm-hmm. just kind of have to learn how to do this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. <laughs> sure. But still, I, I think it's pretty enjoyable. It's, it's also not horribly expensive. So uh, I like I like that too. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the last game that I'm playing and definitely the one that I've been playing the most is uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, David. Wow. That's uh, a pool. Is that the second one? That's the second one in sort of the reboot of Deus Ex. Okay. Yeah. I remember we we both played this a little bit, didn't we? Yes, there was like some sale on Amazon where I got both of us a copy for like $6 or something one year. So a a little bit of background, I played Deus Ex Human Revolution. The names, every time I I am not looking at them, I have no idea which one's which. Mankind Divided is the second. And Human Revolution is the first. And then obviously there's the original Deus Ex. I didn't really play the first Deus Ex. I've heard nothing but great things, but I haven't really gotten into it yet. But I really liked Human Revolution. Mm -hmm. Same. It 
it was it was doing a lot of the immersive sim stuff that I really really liked in like Prey or mm-hmm. something like that. And like, there's just so few immersive sims that are like really that good. Uh, I, I should explain what that what that means. An immersive sim, at least my understanding of it, is it is this genre of game where I think it's typically first person, mm-hmm. where the game gives you pretty like not straightforward, but goals that can be accomplished in like a significant amount of ways it essentially starts you off with just like rules about how the world works and then gives you missions of like go get here or get this thing or talk to this guy and i I think the fun of a lot of immersive sims is like there are hundreds of ways to do that, right? Like so many ways to approach a problem. I, I think Dishonored is also in this genre. I think System Shock Shock was also in it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Way back in, in the day. Way back. Uh, people have talked about Bioshock being in there. Mm. Um, I don't know that Bioshock necessarily felt as good to me. I think part of the appeal is that like it is kind like not necessarily, but kind of non-linear in a certain sense that yeah. like you have like a lot of missions and a lot of things you could do at any given moment whereas like bioshock usually felt kind of directed and uh not on rails but fairly linear and bioshock is more like different ways to do combat but not necessarily different ways to mm. beat a mission right yes yeah uh hitman too hitman's also kind of similar mm-hmm. in this way but uh yeah i i really liked that first one and it, that was definitely my first exposure to these kind of games um I, I feel like there was this this wave of them kind of in the 90s right like with system shock and thief kind of mm. um thief gold specifically and deus ex which is i, I think came out in 2000 but regardless i kind of missed that wave of games yeah it's because i didn't really have a pc at the time and so it was the first time that i was experiencing this and then of course like would go on to love pray in 2017 and and gen- genuinely whenever i play one of these games i'm always like man i wish there were so many more of them but like i also get that this is probably like the hardest nightmare of a game to build because you have to assume that there are so many ways that somebody could solve something Mm -hmm. and making a lot of those like viable or even fun seems like just the hardest thing in the world so i i'm not surprised that there aren't more of them but uh even still it's always just like it's such a specific flavor of video game that i so rarely get uh you and i had got this a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. And uh, I had played some of it and was like, I don't think I like this. I th- I guess they just skipped the immersive sim part of it. Sure. I played probably about 20 minutes of this game oh, when, wow. when I played it. Totally, totally did not see <laughs> where the actual game begins. Yeah. No, you have to, you have to go for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I would like, I would go as far to say, and the, like, this is me trying to be podomistic too. Like, I think that intro is kind of bad. Mm. Like it is explaining the mechanics of combat to you pretty straightforward. But like the result is that it feels just kind of like every other game yeah dude you're like you're like infiltrating a, a warehouse of some sort and you have to you have to like <laughs> shoot people from a, from like the scaffolding isn't that right yeah you know you know video game stuff, video game you play stuff. Video games. yeah and i come to find out i think the ambiguity in in that level and the setup of it is intentional they're trying to kind of like throw you for a little bit of a loop because there's a bit of a time jump between the first and the second one. And you're supposed to be like, why am I here? Hmm. But in the meantime, what they're giving you is, yeah, go infiltrate this abandoned hotel off the coast of Dubai. And you're going to like interrupt this meeting or just like make sure that it goes a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking it's video games, man. Like you get, you're you given a gun and like some stealth stuff and maybe that's cool. But it's like it, it did not feel that significant. But I'm really glad that I decided to give it another try because uh, the rest of the game isn't like that. Uh, no. that like you can you can do combat but 
it's like it, it opens up a lot more almost immediately after that moment. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's as far as you got before. I played <laughs> so little of it. <laughs> so, so little of it. Essentially, like right after that, you show up in Prague and the game does a really good job of introducing you to how the game is going to be structured. It essentially says like, here's this main quest. You need to go get all your like your junk fixed. <laughs> Uh, Cause like you're, you're next to like a bombing in the beginning of the game and all your like cybernetic stuff gets no broken. junk man, Adam Jensen <laughs> junkman. Yeah. Adam uh, junkman. Which I will get, to, <laughs> I will get to Adam Jensen in a second. I find him just an utterly ridiculous character, but <laughs> uh, you have to go get it fixed. And it says like, okay, here's, here's how you do this. And it immediately presents you with like an obstacle. There's a guy who says like, Hey, come, come meet me at my like normal spot. But there's like a lot of goons outside, a lot of bad guys who are trying to like fight me mm-hmm. i'm fine but he like kind of mentions to you if you maybe don't want to do some killing the day after like a bombing in this town maybe don't like you can probably figure out a way to sneak through which is the game's subtle little or not subtle but it's a way of the game offering you like you don't have to shoot everybody if you don't want to but you could mm-hmm. if, you, if you just don't care yeah and the the only way in there is blocked by a guy who's like hey fuck off or i'll shoot you and then uh if you try and go around there is another guy who's like hey you have to pay me to get through this area mm-hmm. uh and it's like an amount of money that you do not have yet and he's like well you can go get this cool little uh passport if you want to but uh it'll cost you a little bit maybe not as much here but whatever and so you can go talk this person again you could just shoot these people yeah and be done with it mm-hmm. but I, I think the game is sort of like maybe don't maybe check it out more fun this way yeah it's more fun so you could go to this other area and there's a guy who's selling these like passports he's like all right you can pay me also a ridiculous amount of money because this uh friend of ours is making these like fake little passports for people who are augmented like yourself uh which is a whole thing i'll, I'll get to that in just a second mm-hmm. but he's like we'll, we'll make you these fake passports essentially so you can get through these these checkpoints and uh you're like i don't have that money also who's this person making this thing and you're like don't worry about it and then obviously you can turn around and there's like a little objective marker above your head in a building behind you it's like go talk to this person if you want to and then again the game presents you with there's a guy in front of the door who's saying fuck off or you could just like jump you could go and climb around you could find a a duct to go through or move a big thing and then there's maybe something behind it that you can get in there with. Mm, you can choose classic. to be violent. You can choose to not be violent. You can uh, really do anything you want to get there. Mm-hmm. Again, the game is providing you with a very simple description of what to do and giving you a number of ways with, uh, with which to say, how do I do that? It just says, talk to this person. Okay, how? There's a bunch of shit in my way. How do I navigate that? Which I got, it's just so good. Like I love when games do this because it, it adds this like le- layer of like almost tangibility. My brain is understanding the cause and effect of things happening in this game, which it just makes it so feel so much more lived in like this total tangent, but like you can go into like shops and stuff and you can see that like the merchandise is right there. If you want to like try and steal it or hack into the system and steal all their money. But like there's guards there right like because of course um and so if you do that you're gonna have to be prepared to either run or escape or sneak around or do something else or whatever right and so it just makes all like everything feel so grounded in a way that i just love like it, it it all feels really tangible to me anyway so you can go and talk to this person and she's like yeah i make these passports i was trying to do it just for my friends so they didn't get like 
messed with by the police. Mm -hmm. But then these guys found out that I was doing it and they like, you know, have had me at gunpoint for days making these things. I think they're making money off of it, but like, fuck those guys. I don't like this. (laughs) And so you're like, okay, well, and and then again, the game offers you a bunch of choices of you can say, okay, well make me one. I'm here now. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, all right, fuck those guys. I'm going to figure out how to deal with this. Like you go away now. Or you could even like say like, Hey, that's fucked up that the state is doing violence to you and like all these other augmented people. Mm -hmm how can I help? Like, what can I do? And then that'll spin off into another side quest and all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. So I think the game is really good at re- like responding to what you want to do and how you want to do it mm-hmm. in a way that's just like, it's, it's really fun. It's really great. So anyway, after you're done with all that, the, all those sort of dominoes fall and you can go back and, you know, get to your initial mission or whatever. And, and the game, a lot of the game plays out like that. There are sections that are a little bit more like you're, you got to infiltrate this base and shit. But I I find that the missions where you are, where you have a lot of options, how to do something is really fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I I find myself very frequently quick saving before I do something Mm. and then reloading and being like, is there maybe a better way I could do that? Or just a different way. Mm -hmm. There was a mission I played yesterday where I just, when I, when I initially did it, I just walked in the front door and like talked with the people who I had to steal something from and like there is an ability that you get that like analyzes the person who you're talking to to see like how would they best respond to the things that i'm saying and you can kind of just like manipulate them to give you what you want Mm -hmm. and that worked but i was like at the end of at the end of that conversation um he's like but you owe me a favor and i'm like i don't think i want to owe you a favor and then so reloaded so then i started blasting (laughs) yeah reloaded and then found just like a duct to sneak through and I just stole the thing without talking to the people. Mm. But again, easier incredible. to steal than owe someone a favor. That's the lesson it's that true. Chase learned. At least owe like a mob <laughs> boss guy a favor. I was like, I don't think I want to because then like mm, you're going to make me kill somebody or something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I, I think it's really, really fun. I am enjoying the same sort of stuff that I like about Prey that I liked about the first one. So so mechanically, I think it's re- it's really, really great. The The design of Prague 2 is really good. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, City 17 and Half-Life 2 where like, it's kind of this like futuristic area, but it's got, of course, like it is Prague. So it's got this kind of like Eastern European design to everything. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just, it's just really cool. I think the first one went pretty hard on like big glass paned windows. It was Detroit, <laughs> wasn't like, it? I think so. Yeah. But there was like a very high tech sheen on everything. Yeah. And like that, that's still present here, but I think this one does a really good job of balancing that with just like kind of a beautiful and also tragic city that they're presenting you with. Mm -hmm. I think that part of it's really cool. Uh, Like I said, Adam Jensen is a very bizarre man to me. Yeah. Like he, he is both a player surrogate and also just like a weird guy. He's got essentially like mechanized tactical Oakley's on his head at (laughs) any given time. Like the sunglasses were always so funny. So silly. He's got sunglasses that just like slap. Out of the side of his eyeballs over his eyes. I mean, Oakley's, I think, is fucking up if they don't have a tactical line. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. No, you're you're right. He just looks like such a bizarre man. And like his beard has got like just such strange like growth patterns on his chin that make him look like just the weirdest are you, guy. Are you beard shaming his patchy beard? It's not patchy. It looks like he specifically shaves a little line <laughs> into his cheek. It's cyberpunk, baby. It is cyberpunk. And so, like, on one hand, think he looks totally bizarre bizarre but also like he's a very recognizable character as a result absolutely and so i'm like all right fine like it it definitely doesn't detract just every now and then when his glasses flip on i'm like oh my god dude. 
feels ridiculous. <laughs> it's go time, baby. Yeah, it feels his, very His very beard is also games. like a weird mix up, a mashup between a beard and a goatee. Yeah. It's, it's like Tony it's Stark-esque almost. Yeah, yes. Also, has anyone ever seen uh, Adam Jensen and Johnny Silverhand in the same room? He sounds like him too. He really sounds like he's doing like a Cyberpunk 2077 thing. Or I guess the inverse at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Anyway, I like, I, I don't, I don't hate this design at all. It's just something that I'm like aware of when I'm playing it. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they were just trying to make it memorable, which in, in which case they, they succeeded. I know what he looks like. I, I will say that the story is kind of a, a bit of a mixed bag for me. Mm-hmm. They are clearly trying to tackle like much bigger stuff than they were in the first one. Sure. I think the first game was very concerned with like trying to hypothetically imagine a world where people were getting augmented and like that that is initially that that was kind of a class commentary of like a bunch of rich, rich people can do this. Yeah. And like there are a bunch of people who say like no way and all that sort of stuff and yada 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 and I think that was interesting, but it was to me very hypothetical. Like I, I think on on the surface, there's sort of this like class commentary and you know the haves and the haves nots, but it was kind of hard to apply in a certain sense, mm-hmm. at least for me. And that may be because I was you know 20 or whatever when it came <laughs> out, and uh, I was firmly in my Ashley era. <laughs> Even when you were 20, so I think that was core Ashley era. Ooh. Mass Effect 2, I was like Ashley, please don't be mad at me. Listen, I played Mass Effect 3 and still chose Ashley, David. When the when the first time I it came out, I so forgot like, that I, she was she would follow you to three. No, I was I was fully brain broken oh, for a while. Such a disappointment. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I'm not proud of that work, man. You you righted yourself out though. You're good. You're good now. Yeah. No, I've I've owned my crimes. So this one is uh, I, I I'm gonna try not to spoil it because like there's probably a few people who haven't played the first one, but essentially the end result of the first game is that there's this really big catastrophe that happens, and the end result of it is that most people now totally like do not trust anybody who has augments. Mm-hmm. Uh, augments meaning like any sort of physical like mechanical thing that you've gotten implanted in your body, right? So if you have like a really fancy a uh, fake leg or a uh, very fancy like you know cybernetic optics or something in your eyes which adam jensen is like almost fully a robot right yeah. like this dude is a lot of augments he is like a he, again the, yeah he's he's got the tactical oakley's but uh so that's that's the that's the end of the first game and so by skipping two years essentially you catch up with this game and it's like hey augmented people are like incredibly marginalized at this point like if you are poor and augmented that that's like a very shitty situation to be in now because at least in Prague and a lot of the other places that they're talking about like there's a pretty significant amount of like state sanctioned violence that is done mm. being done to you right like augmented people are at the least bad and still very bad part of their treatment are it, it, like very much treated with prejudice by most other people right including cops including the people who are like Mm non-augmented and a lot of the power structures are built in a way that is intended to kind of keep them down right yeah just because of this like distrust that people have in them and so like there there are a lot clearer connections to the real world there and like you know state sanctioned violence against marginalized people is nothing new Mm -hmm. uh like that's that's definitely not just a sci-fi fantasy sort of thing yeah and so i think like thematically there's a lot there that is heavier than the first one Mm -hmm. and like you know it's it's something that if if somebody said like actually don't want to play this like i get that (laughs) you know like it's it's not ever present but it is a major theme 
Yeah. So, you know, if you are at all experienced in suffering at the hands of the state and, you know, being marginalized in that way, like this would probably be kind of painful. I will say that the game does offer you ways to push against that power structure in a way that feels satisfying. Like as like I was saying, there are ways where you can side with augmented people and be like, uh, yeah, let's actually like, you know, go try and like fuck up this illegal ring of passports that these people are putting together or whatever. Yeah. Or like it's a, it's like you can go into the cop station, and just blow people away. Sure. You know, like that's an option available to you. And so like, I, I think the game is sort of trying to have it both ways where it's, it, it allows you to do either one. I think there's a little bit of pain in that, right? Like by offering you both options, it sort of equalizes those positions of like, well, you could either be on the side of people who are being oppressed and marginalized and uh, are sort of at the the bottom of this power structure, uh, or you can go with the other guys. Both are equal options. I mean, like it's sort of like it it do whatever you want. There's good people on both yeah. sides. Chase, please. <laughs> yeah, it sort of feels like that in a way that like I, 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 that may just be how it is with video games unless you want to make like a morality and ethics simulator where you can Mm -hmm. do whatever yeah but it's i think just choosing to to have a game where those are the themes and you are also making an rpg Mm -hmm. inherently is going to make it that way and again unless you want to program just like thousands of ways to uh narratively get through this game which is possible but i think probably also a huge undertaking and like i i know that like in cyberpunk like as a genre is it's it's familiar with these kind of themes right i think a lot of cyberpunk games or cyberpunk like media has to do with like this disparity between haves and have nots and distinctions between like certain kinds of people right like even as far as blade runner right Mm -hmm. so much of that that movie is centered around uh trying to figure out who or who is not an android and like what that process does to people on either side including harrison ford or any of the replicants or anything like that or you know something like akira as well that i think does a good job of showing like there are some people who are really well off in the society and there's like the rest of everybody else who's just like in utter poverty Mm -hmm. which uh, i I think is a very common trope in cyberpunk media right you see that very often of like a lot of people are just poor in these these worlds that they conjure and so like i I don't think it's unfair to want to tackle something like what it is like living under like a fascist state and uh having prejudice be centered around a lot of that but it does make for a pretty painful narrative experience every now and then you know that like it, it, that there there would be some things in there that i don't think are handled perfectly mm-hmm. um just because like because it is such a big game and there's so many options available to you um i don't think it's going to be handled with the care that it might deserve in an otherwise you know if you were going to make a movie about this i think you could definitely put your stamp on it and say like here's what i think is morally correct in the situation but uh, when you're making a game, it's a lot harder to do that unless you're just making a very linear game, right? Like I, I sort of understand a story when it's told very linearly and I understand what people are trying to say with that, um, like with Nier Automata. But back to Nier once again. Back, it, it all comes back to Nier, which is another good example of like cycles of violence and trauma and things like that sort of being told in a way where it feels like all of that is earned in a, in a pretty, pretty good way. Whereas I think a lot of the time this one 
does a pretty good job, but sometimes doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. It does a little bit of the both sides and stuff that like, you know, this game came out in 2016, which like what a nightmare of a sure. year to come out for this. So would you have preferred that this game didn't tackle those issues or would you think that these issues are more appropriate in a game that's not an immersive sim where the crux of the, of the game play is to give you just as many choices as possible? Yeah, like that's, that's kind of the catch 22, right? Like, I, I realize that the position that the people who who were who made this game have put themselves in is tough, right? Like uh, with something as intense and very real as like prejudice and state sanctioned violence against people is, I think in that situation, I would kind of prefer like come out and kind of say it with your chest a little bit, mm. like what where you're coming down on this one um, rather than trying to ride the line. I think like it's just a very... Uh, 1990s liberal way of approaching a topic like this you know like the good people on both sides sort of shit you know like well we got to be balanced like eh, you kind of don't in in this kind of situation actually because like there is arguably a morally incorrect thing going on here Mm -hmm. and like like i said putting both of those two things next to each other and saying like choose one is kind of equalizing those opinions but I, i i don't know right like i don't know the answer i think in the moment you choose to do an immersive sim and these themes it's going to be hard, like mm-hmm. unless you're willing to spend the next 10 years building out like a, a game where like you are truly hands off. You can do literally anything in this situation. Yeah. Which is impossible, right? Like that's, a, that's not a possible thing to do. So I don't I don't know. I, I it, this isn't necessarily me saying they shouldn't have made this. It's just sort of more of a criticism of like some of this stuff I think is is not handled as with as much care as I would like to have seen it be handled with. Sure. Okay. I tried to look stuff up about this, like what the conversation was about this game when it came out. And like, this is a fucking nightmare, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, you can, you can, it, like, you remember what 2016 was like on the sure internet. Do. It's just sort of a fucking nightmare. And especially when like a sensitive and I would say nuanced thing happens, especially at that time. Like we just, I don't, I still don't think we have perfect language for this, but like, especially in that year, like it was just somebody would say, Hey, I don't like how this game is handling X, Y, Z topic. And then a bunch of chuds would come in and just like tear that person to pieces. Obviously that still happens, but I felt like that was just everywhere on, on the internet at the time. And so like, I, I could not find a lot of like actual nuanced discussion of this game. So it's, uh, it's an interesting game. I like, I, I don't think any of that detracts from the the totality of this game like i'm still enjoying it and i still think there are moments of like wow that was really beautiful and incredible and it felt really good to like push against the power structure in this way mm-hmm. and and I, I don't think that's a mistake i think a lot of that is like the game is offering you this ability to have this kind of power fantasy where you can have that kind of effect in a very straightforward and you know quote unquote easy by you know breaking into the president's building or whatever you know sure. like any of that stuff but yeah it 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 comes with warts and all right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think there is, there are high highs in this game and there are low lows too. It's, it's clearly not just saying like, yeah, everything's fucked and there's people who are oppressed and now let's play some video games. Like it's, it's not the kind of call of duty way of approaching it. Clearly they are more interested in exploring this stuff and talking about it and mm-hmm. uh, having the player delve in there. But uh, there's, there's just, that comes with un, un, uh, parts of it that are not perfect, you know? Sure. But, you know, it it's certainly ambitious in the stuff that it's that's trying to talk about. I just think that the things that it is trying to discuss and the things that it's trying to depict are fucking hard to depict in a way that feels okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's such a fine line to walk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I was saying again, like if you made a linear, straightforward game, it might be easier to kind of hit the themes that you're trying to get at mm-hmm. just because like the events are static. You can control what happens in, in, in a way that like, you know, then the last of us or something like that, like the events are straightforward and you can have an opinion on those events, but like the game has an opinion. It has something to say or sure. like near automata. I mean, yeah, but those are just very different games and yes. Yeah. And Deus Ex. And I guess what they're going for isn't necessarily to come down on one side, but it's just to Mm -hmm. let you live within those themes, which, Mm -hmm. yeah, is problematic when it's certain things that are being discussed. Whereas before, (laughs) in like the first game, it was like what big media was the big thing and like religion's uh, intersection with augmentation, I think were like the big things that I remember, the big things I remember from that first game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's just a, a misstep in the way that it's just, it was too incendiary of a time and too real of topics to let people live within. It, it, it's just something that like is still happening in a very real way. Yeah. You know, like I think when you're talking about like media disinformation, like everybody is experienced in that, right? Like all of us are, mm-hmm. you know, fell for the fucking the AI generated version of the Pope in his like Gucci outfit or whatever. Mm. But uh, I, I, there is more distance, right? Like, I, I, I guess my point is that, like, I think media disinformation is different than state sanctioned violence and uh, uh, sort of like fascist violence against a group of people. Like those are yeah. topics that I think are one of them is easier to look at. One of them is easier to digest and is not necessarily as real. And you could also disengage, right? Like if you are somebody who doesn't like disinformation, you could close Facebook and turn off the TV. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a, that's an option available to you. Whereas like, if you are somebody who is at, at the other end of state sanctioned violence, like that is not something you can opt out of no. a lot of the time. That's not really within your control. Just your reality. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I think the topics are just bigger and mm-hmm. there's a good good part of that because it's a big topic and like that's a cool thing to want to approach um but also is uh tough and it's it, yeah it's just harder to deal with anyway gaming anyway, nuance gaming. i'm still playing it. i'm still having a great time mm-hmm. like the 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 video game part of it is still something that i am very much enjoying good so sounds like a fun game i might have yeah. to go and re take a relook i i think it's worth a look the the video game itself is very fun mm-hmm. i would be interested to see like how this game lands for you yeah and like what what parts of it stand out and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hey david what have you been playing this <laughs> week <laughs> I have not been playing as much as you. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. I was out of town over the weekend, so I didn't have as much time to game as typical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what did I play? Just just odd things here and there. I played a little bit of 51 classic clubhouse games yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> I played some of the ones I haven't played on there before. I played the, the tabletop soccer, which was quite fun, actually. Very Good, strange yeah. experience Good. playing that one. <laughs> Uh, they're like mechanical tabletop games in this game are very intricate in a, in a, in almost like an uncanny valley type of, of way. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I pretty fun. You. So that game is still fun. Mm-hmm. Probably the thing I, made, I played the most was Dark Souls Three. Mm-hmm. It, it just I'm just a glutton for punishment, I guess. I just can't I just can't stop yeah. these Souls games. So I'm in the I'm still in the undead settlement. I'm fighting the big old the big old nasty tree right now. Big old nasty tree with a oh, hand yeah, coming yeah. out of it kind of an annoying boss because you have to just get it right yeah. in its little egg sack and then if you don't then it's tough time and i'm a pyromancer so a lot of my strength is in my casting and this is a very mm. annoying thing to cast at I, w- I was gonna say i i don't remember having a horrible time with this one but i think it's because i was playing with like a big old sword and i just went up and swung at it yeah big old swing swingy sword would be pretty pretty nice right now <laughs> yeah i got my sure. little fire axe and i got my fiery hand and i'm i'm gonna make it work we'll see sick 
that's it that's all i gotta say wow hell yeah i'm, th- love I'm that. keeping it short keeping it tight that's cool i like dark souls 3 that was a good one you're kind of you are in the the elden ring to every other souls game pipeline right now pretty much <laughs> i played sekiro first yes yeah yeah, but yeah. Now i kind of want to go back and play sekiro now that i've seen all the other games and just see how different it mm-hmm. is again we'll get there yeah. eventually you played bloodborne and everything so that's I did play you're good there played demon souls i guess the, other, the only other thing at this point after dark souls 3 is dark souls 2 which again is a, a very different kind of experience yeah. It was made by someone other than Miyazaki, right? It was. It's still FromSoft, so like mm-hmm. you'll you'll you can feel the similarities, but um, I think there is a a little bit of a difference. But the uh, we'll say the world design is pretty interesting in that one, mm. pretty neat. But yeah, I wouldn't go into it expecting the same kind of experience that you're getting with these other two gotcha. right now. Gaming gaming are those the only games you play david yeah those are all the games i'm playing and that brings me to my pontimistic thing of the week chase dude i just before we get there huh david i talked for 50 fucking minutes about games i feel terrible <laughs> that i came in here and made you, you were wait. excited about the games <laughs> i was i just feel bad that like i made you sit there for 50 oh. minutes i enjoyed it like, i yeah, enjoyed dude. hearing you talk about the games man you're good <laughs> all right, okay all right, all right. I don't, yeah i don't know why though. i especially enjoyed the uh, deus ex talk that was great my treatise i haven't, on, play, on I haven't played that one <laughs> in quite some time i think i got i got a lot further in that one than you did in the beginning i forget how far i went i got like to this room where these turrets just kept fucking me up and i just like okay mm. i just can't because i was in school at the yeah. time i think when i was playing it and it just it just got put on the back burner uh anyway yeah i just had to uh express my <laughs> my weird guilt about you love your you. i mean you're about to go to Me- mexico for a week so yeah you true. had to get your love out of video games of, of you had to get your love of video games out for two two weeks worth yeah that is true it's gonna be a minute before i can talk about be video games again it's gonna be a minute I would love to say that by going on vacation, I'll have played less games. I bet I don't. I play. I bet I play a lot of video. You're gonna games play a lot of video games on vacation. You're gonna bring that Steamy D, that Nintendo Switch, and you're gonna game, baby. Something that a, that an eagle-eyed listeners may notice is that I did not bring Mega Man Battle Network yet. But I do have it downloaded on my oh, Switch. Oh, did so. the collection come out? It did. Yeah, that was a very shameful look you just gave me. A man of a of a man <laughs> who knows he's about to spend hundreds of hours in this collection. Yeah, man, I gotta get in there. I gotta see what's going you gotta on. Gotta do it. <laughs> do it to him one time. David, do you have something fueling your sense of optimism this week? I do. It's a good trilogy, Chase. Ooh, yeah, totally. I love a good trilogy. I love a good trilogy. I love a good, I love a good beginning, middle, and end of a mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Even if it's not totally chronological, but just vibey, same characters, mm-hmm. or you know, just same sort of environments. But there's mm-hmm. something. There's something special about the trilogy i don't know what it is but yeah people 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 just go wild for a trilogy and i'm i'm one of them i feel like the second yeah. one's oh. usually the best which is the strange thing i was gonna ask what you what your preferred entry in a trilogy is almost always the second one i will say that I, it's almost always the first for me mm. you like a good origin story i love an origin story and this is perhaps insightful to my character i have a hard time with things ending david <laughs> sure it bums me out in a pretty major way. i hear you i like, hear you like in when, when the last like half an hour of return of the king is so sad to me really everybody's just like our adventure's over we're gonna leave forever now the last thing to do is either leave or die yeah so sad whereas like i could watch the first 30 minutes of fellowship fellowship over and over and over again 
just just at the beginning of an adventure mm. the 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 plot is rising the action is rising you'd like uh, is that enough time to get to the prancing pony is that prancing pony 30 minutes to half get an to the hour prancing pony? i think yeah. that might be longer than that well i guess it depends on if you're watching yeah. the extended edition or the standard yeah i mean don't come at me with the standard release dude you gotta watch you gotta watch those extendos the prancing pony if you're in if you're watching the extended might be more than 30 minutes in i think it probably is yeah because they're at they're at bilbo's like you... good old birthday party for quite some time that's a good like 15 20 minutes yeah. maybe <laughs> bilbo's hoedown takes a minute man <laughs> bilbo's hooting annie come on down to bilbo's hoedown <laughs> he's gonna give a big old speech and then disappear it's gonna be fucking cool man <laughs> he's just gonna he's gonna reveal himself to actually be a gremlin and then just dip but yeah i like the middle mm-hmm. because i like that everything is already set Happening. up you yeah. know the characters can just kind of step back into their themselves and their roles mm-hmm. and you you're you've kind of already worked out some of the rough edges for a video game at least like gameplay wise from the first game like yeah. i think of like the first uncharted versus the second uncharted true yeah that's kind of, that's kind of what good. i'm thinking of right there personally yeah. are like the first god of war and the second god of war i think the second god of war is like oof, slept on slept on yeah. gem of a game personally God of War 2. With games, yeah, it also, it, it's harder to like quantify because like so much happens between those first and two games. Mm-hmm. Like if you're comparing like The Witcher 1 versus The Witcher 2, those are like drastically different video games. Absolutely. And then to The Witcher 3. Yeah. Like just every game was like a pretty marked improvement. That's very true. That's also also a good, also a good trilogy right there. The Batman Arkham games. Pretty good trilogy. Ooh, Love that one. That's true. I never played Night. Uh, it was good. Or did I play it for a hot second and I was just like, eh. I think I did. I think I ran yeah. around the Batmobile and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Uh, that That's that's one where the original I think was it for me. I, I really, really liked uh, Arkham Asylum. I thought like the setup was just so good there. I think that's a classic example of a game that did not have to go open world. Yeah. Yeah. Arkham City was fun. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum just had that secret sauce on it where they could it really, really kind of guide yeah. you in the very theatrical way. That was just very nice. Mass Effect 2 is definitely a, for me the best Mass definitely Effect. Definitely the best one. Then I think I would go three after that. And then one. Again, three three does the same thing. I'm sad usually when I'm playing three because I'm like, this is so stressful. You're not overcome by gamer rage playing three? <laughs> no. No, man. Not at all. I'm just like, this This is so, it's a stressful situation. The Reapers are trying to like beat down my door mm. and uh, people are sad. Reapers, they're, 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 more, they're more persistent than Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> Halo? Probably two. I don't know. More than one. I mean, if we're talking multiplayer... Yeah. Two. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking single player campaign, it might be it might be one still, right? I think it, it like if if you're playing them in the Master Chief Collection, where like they're all kind of like similar vibes, mm-hmm. I think it's one for me. I think like one is just like unparalleled. Yeah. It's so concise. Were you thinking of of, of Dark Souls? Is that why you brought this up? Yeah. <laughs> one to one to three is a pretty good pretty good jump. They're pretty different games. Fall damage is much rougher in Dark Souls 3, at least for my character that I have specced out right now. Yeah. Like, I will yeah. take a shit ton of damage from just a little baby fall. It's a, li- it's a little rough. <laughs> it's a little rough because I play I play a little loose and goose in this game mm. every now and then with my rolling. Who yeah. knows where I'm rolling sometimes? <laughs> Only God knows. Only God knows where I roll. <laughs> Can I tell you about my Podtomistic thing of the week? There? Yes, please. Cool. It's invisibility. Ooh. Do they have that in Mankind Divided? They do, yeah. <laughs> It's like not perfect, 
but like it's it's the little like uh, shimmer, I guess, ability where you turn kind of like glass like and it's not perfect. Like sometimes every now and then somebody be like, what the fuck was that? You're just like you're you're coating yourself in like a reflective a thin, yeah. a thin something or whatever that reflects back the, the light around you perfectly or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And it lasts like very little time, but for just like crossing between two areas where there's like a lot of guys. So helpful. Mm-hmm. So nice to be invisible. It also reminded me of when you can get the, I think it's the bandana or the, no, just like the cloaking device in Metal Gear mm. and just run through the whole game invisible. So cool. So good. So nice. I love that. Get that super special fox, foxhound rating. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it took. I can't, I can't remember what, what it took to unlock it, but uh, sure was fun mm-hmm. to be invisible. Love to be invisible. Uh, love a, love a cheat code. That'll make you invisible. Mm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Love that. You don't see it as much anymore, but still fun. Still nice. I feel like in the Harry Potter game on the PS1, they had the invisibility cloak. Remember that was pretty rad. Yeah. Isn't there an invisibility potion in Skyrim? Yeah, there is. I think there's a spell too. I think there was something in Splinter Cell too, where if you like hugged a wall for a little while, your like Sam Fisher would go like at least a little invisible. Mm. That was a good game. Chaos Theory fucking bangs. I loved that game. I can never get into the Splinter Cell games. The first few I didn't love, but for whatever reason, Chaos Theory did it for me. That was the third one, right? Yeah. Is it because it kind of sounds like a Linkin Park album? It does kind of sound like a Linkin Park. I guess it's hybrid theory, Chaos Theory. Yeah, yeah you, get, you got it. I, you got it. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that was speaking to me on some level. Your boy sure did love Linkin Park. Sure did. Angsty little boy. <laughs> hey, it, uh, the desire... To move on to the next segment is crawling in my skin, David. <laughs> These wounds, they will not heal. So we should just go on to the next segment. Let's do it. Hey, it's Good Games. It's a segment where we talk about the okayest games of yesteryear and gush all the things that we love about them. Oh, we got a video game this time, David. <laughs> It sure is a video game. It's maybe multiple video games in one. That is true, actually. This is a video game-ass video game, Hmm. which is pretty cool. We're doing uh, the Game & Watch Gallery 3 uh, for the Game Boy. I actually didn't write that down. Game uh, Game Boy Color. Yeah, Game Boy and Game Boy Color came out for both of them. Had you played this one before or any Game & Watch game? Man, I had never heard of these games before. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know they existed. Yeah, that's kind of a delight, actually. No, I was I was stoked. I didn't know there were so many of them. There's so many. There's a shitload. Yeah. Not only that, but like they had such they they they've been around for so long and like not in the form that were here. These are all the gallery releases, but like mm-hmm. the sort of like game and watch handhelds had been a thing for like a long time. Yeah, those like you know the the thing that Mister Game and Watch is actually from. You yes. Know? Yeah, the little just handheld thing you buy in the checkout aisle of yeah. the store, and it's just like a little silly little game that you play. Pretty much, yeah. Does the one thing. The legendary designer, uh, I think it's Junpei Yokoi, the dude who developed those. Read a lot about his wiki today. He coined this term, which I fucking love, and mm. we'll get to the game in a second, but he uh, described his design ideology as lateral thinking with withered technology, which huh. uh, is an incredible description and also like definitely describes Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> with like, he, he explained it that like, I want to make 
something different with technology that definitely already exists, hmm. which is what like uh, the Game and Watch was. Like there was a ton of like these kinds of screens and button housings, and so he's like, let's make something that's really good, but also can be like manufactured a lot. Sure. And apparently that was also something that they took into designing the uh, the Game Boy, like the original Game Boy. Was he's like, hey. I'm not like we shouldn't spring for the really good screen, but we should really invest in good battery technology, hmm. which some people have like said, like, that's what beat the game gear. Sure. Because Sega came out and they said, like, yeah, you could, you got to put four double A's in this thing and that's going to last like about 40 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was crazy. That's nuts. But uh, yeah, Game Boy, that'll run for a while. You're good on that one. So I think that's like kind of a fascinating thing that he like got it as early as Game and & Watch. And like... Still to this day, right? Like most most Nintendo consoles are not at the cutting edge of like tech, right? I think like the Switch is a a leap as far as just like imagining what can be done with that kind of tech, but like it doesn't look the best, right? Yeah. Like those graphics are not something that somebody would be like, oh yeah, hell yeah, a a PlayStation Five is running this, like definitely not. Mm-hmm. But uh, withered still technology. really cool, yeah. Withered technology. I think there was like it. It also could be translated to seasoned technology but i kind of like withered it like kind of yeah. conjures that, that he's like i think that uh it communicates what he's going after a little bit better yeah he's like building this like castle out of old leaves you know like it's, it's so cool a castle out of old leaves anyway can i hit you with some hot stats about uh game and watch gallery three please hot stats hot stats so Game & Watch Gallery 3 came out for the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy. It came out for both. And it came out a lot of different times depending on where you were. North America got it first on December 7th of 1998. Uh, Japan got it April 8th of 1999. And the PAL region got it February of 2000. So it's like a, a two-year span to, to get this to everybody. It was, it was made by this company called Tose. Mm-hmm. Which uh, their their main contribution is the game watch games like that's the thing that they're kind of known for. Okay, but I found this quote on their wiki. Uh, it says, "quote We were always behind the scenes," said Masa Ar- Aragida, vice president of Tose's U.S. division. "quote Our policy is not to have a vision. Instead, we follow our customers' visions. Most of the time, we refuse to put our name on the games, not even staff names." And so as such, Tose has gained a reputation for being a ghost developer, which is the wildest shit I've read on a wiki in a while. Is this why you have your posthumistic thing being invisibility? Invisibility. I didn't even think about that. No. <laughs> a whole, it's a true. whole damn production studio. <laughs> I, I've literally never heard of that. <laughs> that is a pretty wild thing. Damn. And they're listed on a lot of shit. And it, oftentimes it is pretty challenging to figure out like what their contribution was. There's like a number of like Resident Evil uh, like side games that they're involved in. It's like Tose helped uh, on the wiki. Like with what? What did they do? They just they were there. Emotional support. Yeah. So very bizarre company. They, they've they've had their hands on a lot of pots, but it's unclear to like how exactly um, all of that has shaken out. I do have a review, David, mm-hmm. from Pocket Magazine Video Games. I took their review of Game & Watch Gallery, and I ran it through Google Translate a number of times to uh, get, an, get an artist, a technological artist interpretation of this review, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to read for you now. Let's hear it. They said, episode three, eggs, greenhouse, turtle bridge, donkey, Mario siblings. They were good people. However, you can go wrong. The action is simple and repeatable. 
the power that comes with the speed of the game is that you move faster and make a difference. Mm. It's great. The pictures are three times what they were yesterday because of the features. For those who doubt this, all official games have colors for clarity. Find me at the flea market. And that was a 20% that they gave this one. That's what? Damn. Did not like it. <laughs> no, I was a little surprised. I was like, I think that there should be that like, they, they sounded a little hotter on that one, but uh, apparently I was quite wrong. Hmm. Uh, hey, could you tell me what this game is, David? Yeah, this this game is a collection of other mini games. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, there it's it's a cartridge version of a bunch of different game and watch games that you could go and buy at the store, mm-hmm. uh, all in one. So there's there's egg, my personal favorite. I was I'm I'm gonna ask. Yeah, I would love a power ranking eventually here. <laughs> oh gosh, what what else was there? They're all such weird games. Donkey Kong Junior. Yeah. yeah, we got DK Junior. Super got Mario egg. or Mario. Uh, Bros? Yeah, we got Mar- uh, Mario Bros. Yep. That's the conveyor belt one. Yeah. We got Greenhouse and we got Turtle Bridge. So yeah, it's it's those games and they're all together mm-hmm. and you play them and you go for the high scores and they get progressively more difficult as you go on. It's kind of like a, a slower version of WarioWare. It's WarioWare on yeah. Adderall. It's focused. Yeah. <laughs> like it is, it is non-ADHD WarioWare. Yeah. It doesn't have nearly the amount of games that you're being thrown. Mm-hmm. Instead, you have to play one of them and just get really good at that one. I'm sure that like Game and Watch played a pretty significant role in WarioWare's. Oh, absolutely! Now that I'm looking, you can at see them. The, you can see the DNA there. Yeah, and I think like they they had a lot of callouts in that game to just like general Game and Watch stuff. Like I think there was just like this is just a game from Game and Watch mm-hmm, in WarioWare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's it. There, there's a bunch of like unlockable games too that you can get. And I think like in general, this game has a lot of unlockable shit, which is pretty neat. Um, they also had uh, Donkey Kong 2, Flagman, Judge, Lion, and Spitball Sparky. It's unlock those ones? Yeah, yeah, you have to like do well enough and eventually you can uh, unlock them, which is cool. I, I kind of like that approach that mm-hmm. the better you do, the more of the game that you can see. Again, very Nintendo to have like secrets in this game. <laughs> Gotta have secrets. <laughs> Gotta have secrets. Anyway, what'd you think of this one, David? I enjoyed it. Some of the games were kind of a miss for me personally, but the Mm -hmm, ones that mm -hmm. were hits were pretty fun. I just kept, I just kept going and going and going with them. Yeah. I think the the big one for me was egg. Egg Mm -hmm. was, egg Mm -hmm. was my jam. I was great at Yoshi. I was a good, I was a good, I was good Yoshi in that game. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're, they're very simple. They're very, they're not, I don't know. I mean, they they are fun. Mm -hmm. They're not particularly complex or complicated yeah i would say they're fun but they're not necessarily like super engaging they're just they're, mm. they're there for you to kind of press some buttons and just do to do your best that's that sure. i don't mean that in like a bad way it's just kind of how the game is designed it's just supposed to be it very simple yeah very simple very simple yeah i don't know if i have much else to say about it beyond that <laughs> i'm a man of few words yeah. this week yeah no i hear you i i like this game a lot i had played i think it was the first game and watch collection gallery mm-hmm. on the game boy um and was obsessed with that as a kid like just played the ever-loving hell out of it and i think like the the game is as complicated as you want to make it you know like the i think that the score chase stuff is really where like the the meat of the game is and like as yeah, a kid i absolutely. was crazy about that like could i do just even a little bit better mm-hmm. than i did last time and i think that's a consequence of just like having a lot of time and having a game boy yeah you know it's it's kind of it's hard to imagine what like non-mobile gaming was back then Mm -hmm. just because like 
there are very sophisticated and incredible games that are available to you on your phone and on your Switch that you can take literally anywhere. Yeah. And so it's like kind of hard to imagine or put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's like, yeah, I have a Game Boy and Game & Watch is the thing that I have to play while I'm waiting for pizza at round table. You know, as as a kid, like that's that was huge. That was really nice to be able to like just have a thing to do yep. while you're like out and about. And I think this game was just like perfect for that. And I, I could still feel that that sort of influence on this one of mm-hmm. the one specifically that was for me. I really loved the Mario Bros one, the conveyor belt game. That one's fun, too. I liked it. That sort of thing is the kind of thing that I'm like, yeah, I, I could play this for hours and hours and hours as a kid if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. very good pop in and pop out sort of game, which I think is again, designing for, for the system that it's on. I think games that really do well of this era are ones that are like, we expect that this is not going to be a long gaming session, yeah. that this is probably 10 minutes or so. If that mm-hmm. again, why Tetris was so wildly popular yeah, on absolutely. this thing. Yeah. I, I loved these games when I had a lot of time and I also still like them when I don't have a lot of time. My uh-huh. like gaming time is so limited. Mm. And so it is, it was kind of nice to just like pop in and play like a a couple rounds of each one of these games this week mm-hmm. because it's still satisfying like even not having played hours and hours of them and gotten to be like a savant at <laughs> you know greenhouse or something like that uh-huh. it's still fun like it's still cool to be like yeah that was nice i think this game lends itself really well to being enjoyable in whatever amount of game that you are willing to play with it which i think is like a hard thing to pull off Sure. I think you like games nowadays typically ask quite a bit of you, quite a bit of attention. That's true. You know, the barrier to entry of this game is very small. Low. Very low. Just jump in. It's simple. Do a thing. Be engaged for a bit. You can quit whenever you want. That's fine. You're good. It's true. I've also failed to mention up until this point, this was suggested by listener Rufus. Sorry for mentioning you so late in this Rufus. Rufus, thank you for your suggestion. Um, I also want to read what Rufus wrote because he wrote uh, kind of a lot and it's well put Mm. about Game & Watch. Rufus said, okay, I would would love to do New Zealand accent, but God, I would just fuck that up so bad. (laughs) Of all the accents I can do, I think New Zealand is probably (laughs) down there towards the bottom. It's hard for for us dingus Americans. I don't think like the the vowel sounds really make sense with how I understand vowels. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a beautiful a beautiful accent though, but not one I can do. Yes, Rufus said. Okay, so this game hits me for two reasons. Um, it was one of the earlier games I got as a kid on my Game Boy, and I think it was the first game that I really stuck with because of the high score chasing reasons. Um, there was something about the simplicity in the games presented that made them really fun to come back to to try and learn the general patterns and one or two strategies you needed to master the game. He said, to this day, I really appreciate games that have that kind of simplicity over more complex games with layered strategies. I like when number go up and also not think too hard, which totally, I I agree. But uh, more importantly, it was my intro to the idea of playing quote unquote old games and engaging with and seeing what uh, made games of yesteryear tick. And that there's not only value to doing that, but also it can be fun when it's celebrated like it is in the Game & Watch Gallery series. Admittedly, that celebration is limited because it's the Game Boy, but this is a way of both bringing gaming history to, and at the time, modern system, both in its original format and also updating them with a remix remaster whose games are given a new visual style and sometimes mechanics, featuring the, again, at the time, modern-day Mario crew. I think it's pretty rad, to be honest. Like, these were all Game & Watch games that preceded pretty much all of what we think of as console and handheld gaming these days. These games, and the devices they were played on, are super critical pieces of video game history from industry legends like Gunpei Yokoi, said before, Mm -hmm. uh, that set in place a bunch of stuff that we now take for granted, like the D-pad or a clamshell design. 
<laughs> Baby Rufus did not appreciate this at the time, but I am thankful that I got to get that education and appreciation as a kid. Things this game makes me think uh, about is what our relationship to video game history or what's our relationship to video game history. And when going back to play games of the 80s, what strikes us about these games versus these days beyond the games were basic initial impression? And also, do you think that Mr. Game & Watch needs a nerf in Smash? <laughs> I don't think he needs a nerf in Smash. I think no, Game & Watch is pretty, yeah, he's pretty fun, pretty towards the middle. David and I have a mutual friend named Jahan who like embodies the Game & Watch lifestyle. He just is, he's just rolling for nines the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much only uses that side B, which is like a random number generator. And if you get a nine, that that's like a critical hit. It's horrifying. He plays him really well and is just like the chaos agent that Game & Watch needs to be. <laughs> That's a good job. Anyway, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty well put, Rufus. Thank you for uh, typing all no, that out. That was out. eloquent. That was beautiful. I agree that it's really weird to, or not weird, but it's interesting to dig into these games a little bit deeper than just like game old and simple, yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I think like a lot of these older Nintendo games, there is a, a beauty about their design mm -hmm. in the simplicity. Like I, I found myself almost playing like a rhythm game a lot of the time when I was playing this game. Absolutely. Where like I would figure out like, okay, to get all three of these eggs in a basket, I need to do like top right, then bottom left, then top left, then bottom right mm -hmm. really quickly. And I'll, I honestly like can kind of feel what, or like hear what that's going to feel like when I press the buttons. Mm -hmm. It's like a specific rhythm to make it work correctly. Yeah. Which is really cool. I think that's like kind of a, a, a neat emergent thing that happens without the game or ever really advertising like, Hey, it's a rhythm game. It's like, no, not really, but it's, it's just a neat consequence of the game being so simple. Yeah. I think that's what I liked about egg, mm -hmm. you know, and it has like a varying degree of, of combinations of buttons to push in a sequence. Mm -hmm. Right. So it doesn't just like have a single cadence that like starts off and then it go, goes a little quicker and then it starts doing some, you know, triplets or some blast beats or something like that. Right. If it gets really <laughs> crazy and really fast, but yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally right. It is, it is a, it, there is, there is a rhythm to these games and that's kind of what mm -hmm. I think keeps you going and what allows you to ch kind of chase that high score because you remember what it's supposed to sound like and feel like and it just becomes yeah. muscle memory because once you see most of the patterns you can just kind of predict them and see what's coming and then it just comes down to execution yeah it feels very doable whenever like it comes up and i'm like oh i could totally do that correctly if i just like saw that coming next time it, especially in the the mario bros one where it's like you're essentially trying to not let these like pie tins fall down but oh, whenever like you know they have three of them going up and down the conveyor belt and you have to move mario and luigi up and down to like take them and put them on the next rung up mm -hmm. and like it is it becomes very stressful but each time like i could have done that and like if mm -hmm. I just remember what the pattern is, then I can do it better next time, yeah. which is supremely satisfying it's fair. to be able to go back and do. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it's, it's challenging, but like it's essentially at a certain point challenging your your memory and your expertise of like knowing what to do, which is cool. The skill check. It's nice. Mm -hmm. I like that. I want your power rankings, David. I want your, your top five of the base games. Okay. Number one is egg. Number one is egg. I was a big fan of egg. That was, that was a good yeah. game. I was into it. Number two, probably Mario Bros. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I enjoyed going. I enjoyed having the, the, the two, my two thumbs controlling each of the mm -hmm. Mario Bros. I thought that was It's fun. pretty satisfying. That was yeah, satisfying. Cool. Let's see. Probably number three was Greenhouse. Yeah. I liked the fire. I liked being a little flamey Yoshi. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was good. It felt good. And then probably Turtle Bridge. It was fun. Didn't yeah. but, but I I don't I don't know if there's much to say about it other than that it was just like a little fun little platformer, a little hopper. 
just going across mm-hmm. back and forth just don't mm-hmm. don't don't fall yeah yeah um and then probably donkey kong jr i thought that mm-hmm. one was more complex honestly than i wanted it to be i wanted it to be <laughs> simpler but i didn't want to have to and I, I felt like i had a hard time gauging when to jump the jump yeah, like you um, like you were saying last week it's like it's hard to make a good jump but i don't know if the jump felt good in that one for me yeah i don't i don't think so donkey kong jr was also my number five not a, not a huge fan of dk jr for me personally yeah. Yeah, it felt like a, a a more complicated than this game demanded game. Mm-hmm. Like I love the simplicity of the other ones. Yeah, there was too much going on in Donkey Kong Junior. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think number one, Mario Bros. I love the I love the pie chains going up and down. Mm-hmm. And then I think number two, Turtle Bridge. I like Turtle Bridge. Turtle Bridge was fun. I liked how you could really get going left and right pretty quick if you wanted to. You could you could be scoot, kind of... scooting on them, <laughs> scooting and hopping pretty good. Yeah. And like, it kind of came down to this like risk reward of like, do I want to push it or just be safe mm-hmm. and like, you know, potentially get fewer points or like just slam across those, those burbs as Toad. <laughs> I know. I know it's Turtle Bridge, but it's birds. <laughs> I know. Let's see. And then I think Egg. Love Egg. Love the rhythm of Egg. The rhythm of Egg is, is top tier. Also, I think Egg has the best name out of all these games. Yes, absolutely. It is the name of the game is food. It Egg. Egg. Singular food item. Egg. And then, so let me see. That's Mario Bros, Turtle Bridge, Egg. And that would leave Greenhouse as the fourth one. Greenhouse felt a little bit more complicated as well. Not as complicated as DK Jr., but I was yeah. like, there's a lot going on here that I, like, I don't necessarily know how to do. Yeah, that one did take me a second to grok, but I just like the fire animation. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It did look pretty cool. And then poor old DK Jr. down there at the bottom, yeah. It's, uh, sorry, DK Jr. Sorry, DK. Hopefully that's yeah. not uh, Rufus's favorite. Yeah, sorry if that's your, your big fan one, Rufus. Let, let, let us know what your, your favorite Game & Watch Gallery is. Mm-hmm. I will say in the, uh, the one that I played, the Game & Watch Gallery one, I think it was the there's like a game where you're trying to go underwater and slip by a octopus to get a bunch of coins mm. and then come back up to the surface that I was just obsessed with. I loved that one. A similar sort of risk reward with Turtle Bridge where you can try and collect more coins while you're down there, like from the same spot. Mm-hmm. But like the octopus's arms are kind of fucking around trying to get you. Mm. But if you take a bunch, then you're really slow to gotcha. move back up. Mm. And so you have to kind of like gauge really like how it. yeah how how many can i hold before it's just like untenable and i can't do it any anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. real a, a real crunchy music on this one too <laughs> love the soundtrack on <laughs> these games just game boy as game boy music mm-hmm, man I feel like this game is not designed for kids, but I think it's perfect for kids. Oh yeah. You could just sink hours into this, just doing the same thing. I feel like mm-hmm. my, uh, whatever was going on in my brain was really into the repetitive tasks when I was into them as a kid. Doctors don't add me. I don't know what this means. Probably something, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I loved, loved doing the, these kind of games just over and over and You've over You've been again. a ding boy since birth. I think so, man. Number go up. Feel good. Hey, just live your truth. It's I got to do something while I'm waiting for pizza, man. <laughs>
and I'm waiting for pizza often. I, at the time, yes, I was. It was the 90s. Pizza was so popular in the 90s. I mean, is it less popular now? Well, the, the turtles aren't out there to pump up big pizza like mm. they were at the time. And we have the known problem of the almond moms. Yeah, it's true. They don't want pizza. God, dude, the other day, I on Sunday, in fact, I was like, I want pizza parlor pizza. Mm. Like, sit down at a place. There's some dude with like an oven in the back that's Say making no pizza. Say no more, baby. Yeah, It conjured a exactly. flavor in my mouth and an aroma in yes. my nostrils <laughs> and a texture on my fingers of like a greasy, but also kind of weirdly sticky plastic mat mm-hmm. over the table, right? The Yeah, similar, similar. This, uh, the place that I ended up going to was not uh, that, that kind specifically. It was mm. a little bit better. It's closer to a round table, but um, mm. similar. Yes. You, you, you know the place that I'm speaking of. Yes. It was delicious. It was incredible. Where'd you go? There's a place called Ridge Pizza. Ooh. It was really good. The, the stink of it. They got the smell so right <laughs> the in there. Stink, the stink of it. It's a good stink, <laughs> huh? Love it. Yeah, no, it's intoxicating. Mm. Yeah. Now I want pizza. Although, un- unfortunately, not a single arcade game in there, which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Bring back the pizza parlor arcades. You really only need like one game. You don't need a lot. Big Buck Hunter. You could get Big Buck Hunter, sponsored by Big Buck. <laughs> There's just so many. You could have so many kind of games. Big Buck Bumble Hunter. Big Buck Bumble Hunter. Time Crisis 10, whatever it's on now. It's just like a, a fly swatter peripheral and you just smack the screen as hard as you can <laughs> to try and get buck i don't mm-hmm. want to kill buck he the the, the the trick is that buck is unstoppable there's no killing oh, buck. Yeah, he's, he's uncillable you smack he him he just becomes him. larger i don't know that i have a lot more to say about game and watch gallery C- clearly being that we're now devolving into buck bumble as we do uh i mean i don't it, it's it's simple it's fun yeah it is good it's easy pick up and play i think it would be selling this game short to describe it as like overly simple i don't th- I don't think it is. I think it's like very well designed and like they have taken everything away from this game that is not necessary. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is the bare bones of mechanics, which I think is really cool. Like you can find a lot of like game experiments on like itch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like not all of them are as good as just fucking game and watch games. Sure. Which I think goes to show like how focused they were in the design here. Just cool. Shows how much you can do with uh, withered technology. Withered technology. Uh, anyway, good games. Thank, thank you for suggesting this, Rufus, and thanks for your for your write up. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah, thanks, Rufus. Good evening. It's me, your video game pal, Chase. I'm here to take you through the outro. Follow me. If you want to uh, talk to us on the internet, you can uh, find a bunch of links at podtimism.com. It has linked to our Twitter. I was, I think I'm going to start posting the episode links on Twitter again, just heads up, because I wanted to the other day and like had some things to say. Wanted to thank the uh, the press start people and uh, the girl mode people. So I had to do it on Twitter there, which I was like, all right, well, let's just post the, the stuff here again. Mm. Um, so doing that, you can also find a link to our email and all that sort of stuff. It's, uh, if you need to hear it verbally is podtimism at Gmail, you know, you know what it, what it is. Let's see. You can also there find our like suggestion box for games that you want us to play. Uh, you can just toss one in there and we will eventually play it like we did this time. There's also a list of games that we have covered there before. If you are interested in a specific game, you're like, I wonder if they've talked about it, then uh, that's, that's in there. You can go find it. Uh, or, you know, just see. You can look at the descriptions. It's also in there, too. There's, there's a multitude of ways. You can see our episode art. That's on the website, too. It's nice. Looks good. And uh, yeah, so that's an, that's an option available to you. If you want to help out the show, a couple things you can do. 
Uh, one is review it on Apple Podcast or Spotify or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The other is to show it to a friend. You can say, hey, I recommend this podcast. Every now and then, it's rare, but every now and then somebody will come to you and be like, I need a bunch of new podcasts. And <laughs> maybe maybe consider including VGP in there. That's your opportunity right that's there. A, that's, your op- that's, your opportun- that's your opportunity. Do you, do you talk to other people about having a podcast? Is that a thing that you do? Every once in a while, yeah. I'm usually so reluctant to bring that up. Most of the time, the people I talk to during the day are my patients. So I don't yes. really talk to them about that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I won't like bring it up out Me of nowhere. Neither. I never do that. <laughs> but I will talk about it if the, if the need arises. So I totally understand the difficulty of just unprompted bringing up a podcast. Um, but if that is something that you choose to do, we definitely appreciate it. Also, uh, thank you, Scott Wilkinson, for your work on our podcast art. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I find new secrets that it holds every day. Chuck Thule was there the whole time. <laughs> He's always been here, subtly influencing us to build trucks. Look forward to episode 150. We'll have something there. Reminder that we are off next week. So there will be no episode on the 30th that will come out on the 7th. So we'll see you then. Also, uh, thank you, listener, for listening to this podcast. We do not take your listenership for granted. Mm-hmm. And we're uh, greatly humbled and joyous that you are here choosing to do so. Oh, yeah. Um, it's great. It's great. It's uh, flattering and exciting and uh, having a hard time conjuring a better word than cool, but that's where we are. So yeah, point being, thank you. We, we really appreciate it. Do you have any gaming wisdom for me? I do, Chase. What is it? You know, sometimes we all have a very uh, human nature mm-hmm. to overcomplicate things, look yeah, at a situation yeah. and go, hey, this needs more bells and whistles. Hey, you know this this car entertainment system, it really needs a screen, a touch screen in it. <laughs> That makes it better, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. All these, all, all this extra doodads and bobbles and who's it's and what's it's, that's going to make things more good. But I implore you to maybe take a page out of Game & Watch's book and just keep it simple, baby. Keep it simple. There's keep beauty in the simplicity forward. of things and how yeah. they work. And you know what every new car could use? Physical buttons. <laughs> and also egg. And also egg. You get one, you get one. Eggs are so damn expensive nowadays. That's the new thing that dealerships are offering as an incentive to come buy their cars. We'll give you a car and one whole egg. One whole egg. Free of charge, baby. Do you think you and I can say egg at the same time, David? Are we going to count down or are we just going to try to look into each other's eyes and then say it? (laughs) That one's more exciting. Egg. 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 Damn it. (laughs) Third time's a charm. Ready? Egg. Egg. Goodbye, listeners. Bye. (laughs) 